May I ask you a question? What do you think of me? What do you mean? You've known me nearly all your life. You must have formed some opinion of me. Well, I always thought that you were a very nice person. Did you know I was an alcoholic? What? Did you know that? Look, I think I should be going. Sit down, Benjamin. Mrs. Robinson, if you don't mind my saying so, this conversation is getting a little strange. Now, I'm sure that Mr. Robinson will be here any minute now. No. What? My husband will be back quite late. He should be gone for several hours. Oh, my God. Pardon? Oh, no, Mrs. Robinson. Oh, no. What's wrong? Mrs. Robinson, you didn't... I mean, you didn't expect... What? I mean, you didn't really think I'd do something like that. <laughs> like what? What do you think? <laughs> well, I don't know. For God's sake, Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> Here we are. You got me into your house. You give me a drink. You put on music. Now you start opening up your personal life to me and tell me your husband won't be home for hours. So? Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 137, The Graduate. I just keep thinking to myself that this is going to be another one of those episodes where you're like, did you even watch this movie? So every episode. Yeah, pretty much. I I mean, I did watch this movie, then I rewatched like the first half, then I rewatched the second half. I I feel like I'm going to have a lot to say about it, but I do feel like... There's parts where I'm going to be like, wait, what happened there? <laughs> I actually don't think that the movie's very confusing. I think it's pretty straightforward. But I'm like, like, why is he in that points. like scuba gear or whatever at the well, pool? There's like no reason other than his parents are horribly okay. annoying, so, which we'll right. get to. There you go. So you're already explaining things to me. Yeah, I don't think there's any specific reason. I think yeah. it's like a birthday gift or Mr. something. Mr. Feeney yeah. is his dad. Right. So I'm interested to see if you can pick out all of the connections to other episodes that we've done okay throughout the movie there's i know some i mean you might know them all but there's a few before we get into it follow the show on twitter at greatest pod subscribe on itunes or apple podcasts and thank you for listening the schedule's a little wild right now but whatever you're rolling with it because you're true ass clowns this is the summer of ass clowns I think we're headed into. Aren't they all? Though? We're not there yet, but we're yeah. headed there. That's right. It's going to be a little preview to our October where the show really gets good. We're actually <laughs> well, just going to try yeah, to go on a long run straight I through think, the summer. I think we need to... We'll tease. We have a, an announcement that will be forthcoming of something that will be pretty fun for the month of June. That's right. Not another spinoff show, so don't <laughs> panic. <laughs> but... We have a like what happened to on the record? 
We have like another. Well, there'll be a third on the record yeah. coming shortly, someday. But June, we have a fun idea that I think our listeners will really get excited about. Okay. Because <laughs> I think it'll be great. Yeah, it's exciting <laughs> for us. So. It might be the most exciting thing we've done since coming up with Greatest October. That's right. Okay, so The Graduate, 1967, considered right. one of the best American films of all time. It was a huge hit. The adjusted for inflation box office is like something crazy, like 700 and something million. Oh, wow. That's the adjusted. I mean, Director obviously this movie's Mike old. Nichols, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. That's the first connection. What else does Mike Nichols Oof. direct besides a lot of things? Well, one of them would be Closer, one oh, of his wow. later films. Oh, Holy shit. He's now no longer with us, but no. he's considered one of the best at this kind of genre. If you could consider Closer and The Graduate in the same, I, I get it now. Yeah, I didn't. I know I dramas. never made that connection. Yeah. Wow. I like Mike Nichols. He's a guy that really kind of gets me. You know. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a certain thematic similarity between the two, even though the stories aren't really similar. Yeah. But it's about the drama of sexual relationships and the fallout from them and oh, what yeah. can happen and different things of that nature. Buck Henry and Calder Willingham did the screenplay adapted from a 1963 novel by Charles Webb. Now, I consider this to be one of those great adaptations of a novel that surpasses the novel. Okay. Have no you read one, the novel? No. Okay. But so I, quite a But what I'm saying is... Yeah. Not based on like how good it is at adapting the novel, but how much it's surpassed the novel. No one oh, thinks okay. of the novel. Sure, sure. Right. Rosemary's Baby, another one. Yeah, yeah. Midnight Cowboy, another one. I know what you did last summer. He, well, that's, yeah, I mean, the in a way, even though it's different. Okay. But kind <laughs> of. But that's mostly because the book was moderately popular in the 70s as like a teen novel. <laughs> okay. It's not really like a bestseller. It quite fit. But, like, The Godfather and Jaws and... Okay, yeah. I would even say, like, if we're talking, like, best adaptations, you could throw in, like, Fight Club and The Shawshank Redemption. Certainly, like, Jurassic Park and The Wizard of Oz. There's a few, but this is, like, the elite club. And The Graduate is something that was so well adapted that people don't even really know the novel anymore, I don't think. Yeah, I would agree with that. The story is of 21-year-old Benjamin Braddock, played by Dustin Hoffman, a recent college graduate with no well-defined aim in life. Yeah, sort of kind of brooding around. And he is seduced by an older woman, Mrs. Robinson, played by Anne Bancroft, and then subsequently falls in love with her daughter, Elaine, played by Catherine Ross. So there you go. There's the whole movie. That's the story. Catherine Ross, of course... Another connection to a previous episode. She was the therapist in Donnie Darko. Wow, okay. (laughs) Holy hell, that's a pull. I love Catherine Ross in this movie. I think she looks incredible. Yeah. And I think, like, uh, an unintentionally hilarious thing is how, like, they're begging this dude who is clearly a loser to ask her out. And A, she just has to go along with it. And B, they're acting like she has no hope in the world of marrying anyone. I definitely think a lot of women watching this movie now would have... It was a different time. ...would take a lot of issues with kind of what's going oh, on. Oh, for sure. portrayals. And there's certainly, like, a critical reevaluation that goes on with this movie where modern critics and even critics of the day who are, like, reevaluating their old works, 
reframe this movie and not always as positively as it once was. And I think that's kind of insane because it's just like anything, it's a product of its time. It's emblematic of a turbulent era in American history. It came out in 1967. We're in the middle of the counterculture, hippies heading into yeah. Woodstock, Charles Manson. Things are kind of a fun changing. Time. Right. Protesting Vietnam is the backdrop of anything that came out during yes. this. And obviously feminism hadn't really taken hold yet in the way that it would in the coming decades. And this is a very antiquated look at courtship and oh, relationships. Yeah. Now and everything from Mrs. Robinson to her daughter to the way that Mrs. Robinson and Mr. Robinson treat her daughter sure. to the way everything. Every and, aspect I mean, of this is outdated, but that of course is what makes it great because yeah. it's a photograph of a moment in time. Absolutely, and it's well captured by the soundtrack, of course, with Simon, Simon and Garfunkel doing the songs. Yeah. First of all, I really enjoy when one artist does a soundtrack for a movie. Yeah, I, I love that. I think like for uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, right? Where Leonard Cohen, Leonard Cohen does the whole thing. I, I love that. You know, I was reading about this and. That Mike Nichols always wanted Simon Garfunkel to do the whole soundtrack. He didn't want to do the movie without that. And they were going to write a bunch of songs for the movie. And I guess they just didn't get them done in time. So there's only like one new song for the movie. And he was just like, I'm just going to use old songs. Right. And the famous song, Mrs. Robinson, the version in the movie is not the version that would become yeah. the famous version of the song. Right. Which I probably will use the famous version at the end of the episode, yes, yes. by the way. But... Yeah, it's a slightly different version of it. I think Simon and Garfunkel are only singing on the chorus. They're not even singing the verse of it. I, I don't know. It, I was reading about it. It's confusing. You well, can tell that it's different when you hear it at the towards the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Because they really focus on Sound of Silence, which gets used a lot. A few times, right. And then like Scarborough, Scarborough Fair. Fair. And what's the other one? There's one other one that's kind of prominent. but I Something in April. <laughs> There's a song about that. <laughs> Yeah, but it has like a good vibe to it, and it feels very current in 1967, which of course is outdated now. It's almost sure. that's what, like what, what 50 you're talking years about. Ago. Like you know, I, we're all sad about Vietnam. <laughs> that kind of comes through that vibe. And I do think it's kind of insane that people reframe this movie, especially like oh, the character of Benjamin Braddock. The interpretation of that character changes a lot depending on the yeah. era of which this movie is being viewed, and I think in modern times. He comes off as annoying, creepy, yeah, a bully at times to Elaine. And yeah, sure, he's the younger of the two in the relationship with Mrs. Robinson, but she's not exempt. But he comes off as like very, almost like too neurotic to the oh, point yeah. of just being insufferable. Yeah. The, but I mean, I think that that's okay. The thing I you think, can say about it is like, at least he's supposed to be 21 or whatever. Right. I mean, what's really sad is when you get dudes in their 30s who still kind of act like this. Not unlike the you know host of this show. You know, it's real bleak. Yeah. Anne Bancroft in this movie. How old do you think she is? <laughs> 37. 36. No way! Yeah. Holy shit. Now, she's only... Okay. I know I obsess over time and age, yeah, but okay. this needs to be said because they Please. age... She's intentionally younger to make her sexier, which was kind of just the sexist way they used to cast these kind of things. I mean, in in reality, I think she's playing older. Yeah. She's not supposed to be 36. Right, right. That wouldn't make any sense. No. In real life, Catherine Ross was like 28. Wow. So, so she's only like eight years older. <laughs> and I think 
uh, Hoffman may have been in his late twenties as well. Yeah, I have no idea. He so wasn't yeah, really he wasn't like a known actor at this point. No, this yeah. was like his big breakout. It's bleak now, thinking like, oh man, I'm only like one year younger than, than the <laughs> Mrs. Old Robinson in this movie. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you can tell like her face has like no oh, lines on yeah. it. She doesn't look. If you look closely, she looks older than thirty six to me. Yeah, they do her hair and her makeup yeah. in a way that makes her look older, and they are aging her up. They're trying to. But oh, by the way, look, not to detract, she—I mean, she is a, still a bit of a fox. Yeah, which is what they wanted. Right. Okay. But you can tell. I think if you look closely, like yeah, she doesn't seem like nearly as old as her husband. Right. But her whatever. husband, by the way, yes, Mayor Vaughn. From yeah. Shark Island. <laughs> yeah, we'll get we'll get back to Mayor Vaughn. Yeah, it, it's it he is has hilarious. A pretty pivotal scene in this movie, I would say. Now that was going to be Gene Hackman at one point, and thankfully for Gene, he I think was maybe fired. Or, I don't know what happened. Oh wow! He ended up then instead being in Bonnie and Clyde, which he got nominated for an Academy Award ah, for. Okay. And there's a same million... year for these two movies. Yeah, I think so. Wow. There are a million casting what-ifs for this movie, for every part. For Benjamin Braddock, for Mrs. Robinson, for Elaine. I, I don't want to get into it. I mean, there's okay. a lot of names. <laughs> a lot of, we better not. Then. A lot of them, our listeners probably won't even know all the names. But needless to say, Tuesday Weld was Whoa. on the table. Okay, she's a favorite A secret of favorite of ours. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, lots of names. I mean, just tons. Tuesday Weld is one of those ones, though. For me, it's like, well, you know, she's too pretty. I think Catherine <laughs> Ross works. Yeah, she's still believable. I think she's smoking hot, but like, yeah, yeah. there's a believability to it. She looks like the girl next door type. Right. Yeah. Whereas Tuesday Weld kind of looks like a movie star. A girl that wouldn't live next door to anybody. <laughs> because she would come from another planet. Yes. So this won the Academy Award for Best Director, and that was it. It was nominated for, I think, six, and it only won one, and it was for Best Director, which seems like something that would happen more today when they spread out the awards more. For sure. But whatever. It was a huge hit, both commercially and critically, and the one casting what if I do want to mention, because I think it's kind of funny, is Robert Redford. Yeah. I I read this too, actually. Yeah, (laughs) And the whole premise of why Mike Nichols didn't cast Robert Redford was he asked him, like, well, what do you do when you don't? get the girl like how do you act if you don't get the girl and right. robert redford didn't even know what he meant he's like what do you mean <laughs> that's a possibility and he's like, see you can't yeah, be yeah in this movie. Right. yeah absolutely <laughs> he wanted somebody that was kind of a loser yeah yeah and dustin hoffman is great in this movie and he projects neurotic sweaty loser for sure every minute of it and is very believable as someone who has no aim in life and doesn't know what to do at any given moment yeah and you know, I don't know if this is offensive to say, yeah. but it feels like on the spectrum, maybe there's maybe a little something going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the deal especially is. Especially with like the manic way he acts, especially at the end of the movie with I this just like, th- building and building. And yeah. then for sure, you know, it leads to this thing that happens. And then it's like, is he even happy that this happened? Well, that's and- the thing. I mean, we'll get to the end, obviously, at some point. <laughs> but you talk about an episode that we do like the rules of attraction. We discuss everything really being about mental illness. And that's like, I, you know, I find myself watching the graduate thinking the same thing. It's funny. You should mention that because the movie opens with him arriving back in LA via plane. He's coming back from a college on the East coast and it definitely feels like it's echoed yes. in less than zero. Oh yeah. Of a guy coming back to LA from the college in the East coast. 
Simon and Garfunkel playing the iconic airport moving walkway opening of him kind of just standing there, the credits on the side, Sounds of Silence playing. I think that Benjamin is this representation of a young man who wants to do the right thing. He's mostly a good person, but he's experiencing the malaise of the times. It's the late 60s. Kind of a weird framing for me in this movie, and it's, I don't know, maybe more indicative of what it was like in that time compared to... They're really hammering home this idea of like getting like a four year degree is just being like a stepping stone, and then there's this period. Well, of, his parents like, are well to do, and yeah. his dad is a lawyer. There's, a, I guess, there's a yeah. There's, there's like a, an expectation of further education. School. Yeah, they mentioned it multiple times. But that, of course, his kind of square traditional parents are in contrast to the emerging, ever expanding counterculture. Yeah. Ultimately, Benjamin is this aimless guy without ambition, and his well-to-do parents and their friends just can't understand this right, kind of personality. Right. But I think that's very emblematic of that time period yeah, yeah. and how because of the changing landscape with Vietnam and the music change, everything just was changing. Yes. and It was a shift in culture. Well, and I think there's kind of this feeling of like... Ben, he can't really fit in with, like, hippie culture. He's, like, this rich kid. No, he can't, but I think that's what gives this movie more of a timeless quality is that they don't timestamp it with, like, obvious, like, hippie stuff or whatever. But to me, he still seems like an outcast amongst the youth movement. If he was a hippie, then he would fit in with the hippies. For sure. I think it's more like he just doesn't really fit in with anyone. We never meet any of his friends. Have you ever considered... Not wearing like a blazer and tie like every day. <laughs> I mean, Ben, chill out a little bit. Right. You know? Think about it though. We never meet any of his friends. Yeah. When Mrs. Robinson asks him if he's like a virgin or if it's his first time, he gets kind of defensive and you're kind of like, well. Well, we know what that means. <laughs> the girls in the Niagara Falls area. Oh, or, yeah. You know, whatever <laughs> Bender would say right. from Breakfast Club. He has a kind of a weird relationship with his parents who are like very annoying and yeah. kind of like hovering a lot in his life. I mean, he's kind of an adult and granted he's living in their house. He doesn't have a plan. He doesn't have ambition. But like even before that's all established, like the second he gets home, they're like all up on his dick. Oh, yeah. Like showing him off to people as if he's like a prize or something. It's just like he doesn't fit in with anything. And if he was a hippie, if he seemed cooler then he wouldn't be this character. Right. He would fit in with something. He'd have music. He'd have drugs or whatever. Like, yeah. he's just not a part of a culture. He just is kind of floating. And that's part of, like, who he is is, like, and why he's susceptible to what happens that summer with Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. Now, I'm curious. I'd be interested to hear people's thoughts at the time when this movie came out. I'm thinking of myself walking out of this movie and being like, I mean, this kid is fucking rich. What's so wrong with this life? (laughs) Well, I think it's just a matter of wanting to be your own man and and wanting to figure out what you're going to do. But he's doing nothing is my point. He lays in the pool almost every day. Yes. He's banging a hot mom and then (laughs) getting with her daughter. Well, I think the whole whole thing of falling into the thing with Mrs. Robinson is a symptom of his aimlessness. No, I get it. I think the first scene of him and Mrs. Robinson, the way that all plays out, I think we get a good glimpse into, like, Ben is really, like, a a good dude. Uh, Yeah, like, morally speaking, yeah. yeah. He doesn't want to have sex with somebody's wife. Right. Certainly. Yeah. And I think you have to ignore the fact that Anne Bancroft is 
36. I but think I she's think... supposed to be older, so this is sure. definitely okay. strange. She's like a longtime friend of his parents, and she's the wife of his father's business partner. Sure. But I'm just thinking like 21-year-old dude and... Hot older lady. Yeah. Would you have put up as much of a fight as he does? I don't know. Probably. He I mean, fights it for a long time. I mean, I wouldn't have been as so awkward and weird about it. Yeah. Because he, he's not just awkward. He's like, he's, he's straight up strange for in sure how he's like reacting to this but playing it would it cool, be hard not really i would his, i think i, I, I don't know if cards. like morally i would be as like adamant as him but it w- i would be too panicked that yeah. like her husband was going to come home or something well that's true that's a fair consideration but i would immediately think of the implications with my own parents and being like well they're going to find out about this i can't do this like if it was just some random older lady like maybe but there's yeah. too many connections going on that would not sit well yeah so anyway, okay, let's get to that. So when he gets home, there's this party, and his parents are buzzing around him, trying to show the, him off to all their friends. His dad is Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. It's super uncomfortable, and Benjamin is uncomfortable in it, sweating, everything. He's <laughs> shrugging off these accolades, and he's dodging all these questions about his future, and he literally runs upstairs to flee I will say, I mean, that that is tough. I mean... <laughs> I can remember. I, I could definitely picture you in this scene. Oh, for this sure. This is like a Matt scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, where it's just like, you know what, guys? I don't have a future, okay? I think it's <laughs> it's time that we all come to terms with it, all right? I, I know we all think that I have potential and things are going to happen for me. It's not going to happen. I'm going to be sitting there in my 30s doing a podcast with some <laughs> fucking old dude. <laughs> With Mr. Robinson. That's right, yeah. I'm, like, trying to seduce you. <laughs> yeah, and I think me, on the other hand, I would have the face of, like, Jack Nicholson in The Shining right. when his family tries to talk to him, and so people just turn and walk <laughs> away. They're like, never mind. Yeah, yeah. I see, like, a lot of people in potentially dealing with this, but it's amplified because of who his parents are, and I think it, the implication is that they have had a heavy influence in his decisions in life. Yeah. I don't know if they specify what school he went to. I mean, they probably do, but... He probably went to a really good school that they paid I'm for, sure. and it's probably to be on the path to be like a lawyer or something like that, and he doesn't really want to do it, but he doesn't have his own plan, so he's kind of just floating along doing that thing, and and now all of a sudden I it's like, it. here are all these friends, and he doesn't know what to say. So he goes upstairs, he flees the party, and then Mrs. Robinson enters his room, pretends it's a mistake and that she's looking for the bathroom, but of course she's not really in a hurry to leave. Yeah. I will say you don't get a vibe of like any chemistry between these two. No, and I think that's intentional, especially yeah. at first, and it never really gets anywhere too like right. sexual or romantic. She is the wife of Benjamin's father's law partner. I don't know, Anne Bancroft had like kind of an interesting career. She's no longer with us, but she was in tons of things starting in the 50s up until when she died in the 2000s yeah. but like she was in the elephant man notably there we go and she wrote and directed one movie it was oh, called wow. fatso starring oh. dom del louise good for her it's kind of a famous not famous but it's kind of a, a cult hit of the 80s a, a, a favorite of one joe DeRosa's. oh, oh uh-oh. <laughs> but yeah she had a lot of talent she was in a lot of things this is her most famous role obviously it, i think it stuck with her for her whole career it's just crazy that she's only 36, and yet the whole that, idea yeah. is, like, that this invented the modern idea of, like, the cougar or whatever, but, like, 
She's not really that old. No. And she's really old. She's less than At a least decade not older to than us Dustin anyway. Hoffman. Well, how, how old? No, this movie's rated R. It's not like, and it wasn't something that kids would be interested in. So yeah. it's not like anyone younger than like 20 was really that interested in seeing this movie. So sure. it's like, come on. <laughs> she's not that old. <laughs> Please say she's not that old. <laughs> <laughs> she insists on a ride home from. Benjamin, which he eventually agrees to. I mean, he's hesitant. He's telling her to take his car. Oh, yeah. He's doing everything to not do it. But she keeps insisting, and then he does he's it. He's really not putting it together. But it never ends. Yeah. It's like accompany her inside. I'm scared to go inside. Walk her through the house. Yeah. Have a drink. I love the 1960s house. Like, yeah. that bar that is bar so is prominent. Oh, yeah. And it's just, like, in the living room. <laughs> it's great. It was a different time. Absolutely. You came home from work, you immediately started getting drunk. Oh, yeah. Every day. <laughs> or like you're continuing drinking from being at work. Well, yeah. It was the era of Mad Men. That's right. It was great. <laughs> Taking naps on your couch in your office. <laughs> That's what I always think when I watch Mad Men. I'm like, man, I just imagine being able to take that many naps at work. <laughs> and she's like, please wait till my husband comes home. And Benjamin's trying to fight her off, but he comes across super whiny. Oh, yeah. And so she takes like another time. I'm almost, you do get to the point where it's just like, this is sort of embarrassing for Mrs. Robinson. Like, I don't th- kind at of, first, I don't so feel that firmly way. in control. Yeah. And I think she knows what she's dealing with. Yeah. Which she is knows a neurotic listen, virgin loser. Right. That's the thing. <laughs> Obviously, like, wh- the three reasons you just listed why I can find Ben relatable <laughs> neurotic virgin loser. <laughs> she knows that he just needs to be told what to do. She yeah. can lead him there, you know? Yeah. He comes across pretty annoying and whiny, like I said. So she takes this other tact, which is she starts revealing personal information to try to, like, suck him into a more meaningful conversation. She says, did you know I was an alcoholic? The manipulation is on. Which is such a strange thing to just blurt out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Especially in this context. And it does remain unspoken at first. And certainly there were a lot of taboos at the time just in general with sex in film especially portraying a woman trying to oh, cheat yeah. on her husband the and manipulation with a is on here too it's very like a interesting boundary pushing movie especially at that time period and especially since it's so mainstream put out by a major studio and everyone was seeing it and eventually this leads to the most famous line of the film which happens so early in it right. which is Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me, aren't you? I think it's hilarious how he, you kind of only know that line from this movie until you see it, and then you're like, oh, well, then there's this immediate regret where he's like freaking out that he said it. And she's (laughs) laughing it off and acting like it's not a big deal, but it's still pretty funny. That is a hard one to try to recover from if she wanted to play it that way. Right. And he's like apologizing, and he's like, I don't know why I said that. And she's just like, yeah, okay. Right. He's completely out of his element here. And then it's almost like this works in her favor because he's so now flustered she's got that him he blurted this out. Back in. So she throws this bizarre lifeline out of like, hey, come upstairs to see Elaine's portrait. He's like, yeah, that is something I want to do. Always strange <laughs> to me the, this whole sequence now when they get upstairs. The picture of Elaine being up. I mean, are it, you buying this? Well, I guess it's her room. You have a portrait of yourself in your room? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I was Elaine, I would. No, that's true. That's a good point. Plus, this is a long time ago. Yeah. Things I would have a different. portrait of Tuesday Weld, actually. <laughs> What's her plan here to just, like, fuck 
this underage well he's not underage right but this young stud in her daughter's bedroom like it why is weird go up to i mean they room? start kind of messing with that whole angle early on having elaine in the mix even yeah always elaine is always like right. present in the movie well before Catherine ross actually shows up on screen yes so then she's like unzip my dress in my daughter's room yeah she tries to turn around on him he's so inexperienced with women in general but especially with something like this happening which is completely understandable yeah and he doesn't know what to do so he's like panicking and he's like running out of the house basically and she's like well bring my purse upstairs so he brings it back up. He, you know, he's trying to like throw it onto the steps and she eventually just starts yelling at him. Right. And this is the tactic that finally works is like treat him like a kid and I'm the adult and I'm going to yell at you to do what I want. And then he just starts doing it. Oh, yeah. She's like, no, bring it upstairs. <laughs> and he's like running up the stairs <laughs> and she's like, yeah. bring it into Elaine's room where we were. And so he goes in there and then she just runs into the room completely nude. It's like this final it is weird. naked yeah. offering. Right. It's kind of shot all weird, too. Yeah, they do, like, real brief flashes yeah. of, like, her breasts and midsection. She's got, like, those really defined tan lines. The camera work in general in this movie does stand out. There's a lot of, like, unique shots yeah, yeah, and yeah. different, like, camera it's work a, going on. It's a really influentially shot film. Like, people have studied this, and it's very noteworthy. Benjamin's complete panic at this yeah. is so over the top. He just can't even, like, form words. For sure. It plays is over the top. It's one of those things that you sit there and think about and you're just like, man, if I was a 21 year old dude and this like hot older woman was coming on to me, I would not be reacting this way. But then it's like you would have passed out or yeah. oh, paid your pants right. like Jackson Maine. That's on, the thing. At the Grammys. Yes. <laughs> not being like Robert Redford and not knowing what it's like <laughs> to get the girl. <laughs> I just like can't imagine this happening. If, if any woman was ever coming on to me in any in any way. I think I would just be like in such disbelief at what was happening. I would just be like, I need to remove myself from the situation. Yeah, I'm sure that somewhere I would be like, something is wrong along the lines. I found when I was 21, I I'm sure there was an older woman somewhere in my life that I found attractive. But yeah. it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where this is like playing out, where this would even seem remotely like a viable option yeah. of like something i would c even consider doing i mean maybe this is an unfair whatever gender role thing or whatever but you don't really picture women being this sexually forward either right which i think you know? yeah i mean that's kind of the shocking thing right and throwing this like nudity into the mix is definitely shocking and this is like one of those standout scenes that i'm sure really jumped out to audiences in 67 because there wasn't a ton of nudity in mainstream movies by 67 wow. that's a shame yeah for moviegoers right pre-67 yeah i mean there was but yeah not a lot and not certainly not in like mainstream hollywood movies necessarily there was some but not a lot yeah and so even to have this and she's playing this there older wasn't exactly woman. the chick from the blurred lines video running around <laughs> it was a different time yeah yeah, she would have been burned at the stake like a witch in 67. What are we talking about? Quick nude shots. I mean, they're just flashes, like one frame, like Fight Club style, you know, yeah. like the dick in Fight Club. <laughs> like just one frame real fast. I mean, I was like, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was pausing and going trying to get a good look at what was going on. Yeah, there. I wanted to see what was happening. Yeah. I mean, why put it in I the get movie? It. Right. You know? So her husband returns and he's played by Murray Hamilton most famous for being the mayor in Jaws. That's right. 
So he comes back. He comes back from making sure those beaches are staying open. <laughs> Look, fellas. <laughs> and yeah, he looks exactly the same as he looks I know. in Jaws, which yeah. is hilarious. It would have been great if he was wearing that fucking suit jacket with like the anchors on it. <laughs> I guess he comes back actually from like golfing or something. I guess he wasn't at the party, and I don't know how she got to the party. Did he drop her off? Are we supposed to take it that he's kind of out hooking up with chicks? Uh, Could be. Yeah. It's revealed eventually the state of their marriage and everything, but we don't really know what's going on. He just shows up, and he wants to have a nightcap with Benjamin, who he assumes is just dropping his wife off, and then you know they're having this awkward face-to-face scene. And he's telling Benjamin to sow a few wild oats, and Mrs. Robinson right. comes down, and he's like, shouldn't he sow wa- some wild yeah. oats? And she's like, yes, or whatever. She's just like giving these monotone, <laughs> one-word answers. Oh, yeah. It's funny how she acts when other people are around, both in this context and later when she's actually pissed. It's but true. like, She's this completely different person. Right. It's kind of scary how cold she can seem and evil (laughs) no for sure when she's mad it's like she's just this other person well she turned by the end of this movie she is like completely villain i mean i don't know if i would say that no kind of okay i mean to her own daughter sure yeah sure i would say to him it's more there's more of like a tragic element i get it. it yeah i mean her husband is just like an idiot yeah but we'll get to that basically Mr. Robinson first introduces the idea of taking Elaine out. This is something that will recur throughout the film, and we'll talk about it more as it happens, but it seems like every adult who enters Benjamin's orbit is concerned with him taking Catherine out, except, of course, Mrs. Robinson, which will become a thing. She's not interested in that. Now, timeline of this movie, Elaine is away at school still in the beginning of this, right? Like yeah, she's she, at Berkeley. And I don't think she's graduating because she yeah. ends up going back. Right. So, so she's, I guess, a year younger maybe? I yeah, I guess so. Basically, the situation is this. He has rebuffed Mrs. Robinson, but it's left with this offer she's, standing. Yeah, she's kind of like, call me anytime. Yeah, like, here's my body. For a good time, Do with call. it what you yeah. will. <laughs> it's maybe not going to happen tonight, but whatever. The next scene is the one you alluded to with the scuba thing. It's just like how annoyingly horrible are Benjamin's parents, right. specifically his dad, who is just an ass. Yes. And he's I guess the premise is that he's bought him this $250 scuba outfit thing. For what? I don't know. And he's like demanding that Benjamin show it off in front of their friends. It's like it's so bizarre how often they have friends over. Yeah. It's like, my parents never did stuff like that. Well, they're very, I mean, they're definitely status people. Right. Yeah. They're like, look at this. And so he goes into the pool in the scuba thing. And I kept expecting The Sound of Silence to play here because of the old school scene, which seems like a nod to it. You know, when Will Ferrell has the dart in his neck. That's true. (laughs) And goes into the water and Sound of Silence. That's a good point. Yep. It felt like that scene. Like, it was like a mirror of that. And I kept expecting, it doesn't play, though, in this part. It does play with a different scene Several in different. the pool, right? Though, when, yeah, I well, think yeah, in the montage, on yeah. The raft, yeah, right. Okay, so out of either curiosity or desperation or just annoyance with his parents or whatever it is, Benjamin eventually does call Mrs. Robinson in yep. a couple of days and arranges a meetup at a place called the Taft Hotel. This feels risky. This hotel, I mean, I don't know how far away they're going Plus, to. It, yeah, but it doesn't feel like they're going. Very it's far. not that far because yeah. it'll be a place that comes right. up later. True. And 
obviously he doesn't know what he's doing. So yeah. the the potential for disaster is always hanging over them. But she's, I guess, desperate to get that dick. So yep. she just goes along with it and shows up. You commented on his wardrobe earlier, but I definitely like this look of this movie. Just I agree. Because it's a world of suit and ties. And yeah, yeah, she's wearing, wearing a like leopard cool print ties. coat. Yeah, it's very sharp. And classy ladies and cigarettes and endless mixed drinks it's just like oh, yeah. it's very mad men but instead of it being a period piece it's just like this is how it was when they right. made the movie yes <laughs> he ends up getting a room he says that he's mr gladstone there's like a funny moment where he's filling out that card and he just takes it and crumples <laughs> it up and the guy's like is there a problem he's like no <laughs> it just starts filling out yeah. another card the, the whole like interactions with the hotel staff i do enjoy uh, yeah i think that's actually buck henry the famous screenwriter who adapted this there's a lot of unintentional com well no i shouldn't say that because it's definitely intentional there's a lot of comedy in these scenes with Benjamin's awkwardness. And of course, Mrs. Robinson has like this endless patience about everything. Yeah, she never really loses sight of the mission. So that begs the question. You would think that there would be a part where she would feel like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do this. Well, or I'm that's what I'm saying. What, in this. How it, does she not? It begs know? the question, what is it about Benjamin? Right. She's a hot lady. I'm sure there could be another guy. She could guy. pull some dudes, yeah. So clearly she wants there to be a lot of control. Yeah. She's picked him as like, well, he's good looking enough and I can control the situation right. completely. I guess. Because of his age and experience, whatever. Benjamin, would this be easier for you in the dark? Mrs. Robinson, I can't do this. You what? This is all terribly wrong. Do you find me undesirable? Oh, no, Mrs. Robinson. I think I think you're the most attractive of all my parents' friends. I mean that. I find you desirable, but I... For God's sake, can you imagine my parents? Can you imagine what they would say if they just saw us here in this room right now? What would they say? I have no idea, Mrs. Robinson, but for God's sake, they brought me up. They made a good life for me, and I think they deserve better than this. I think they deserve a little better than jumping into bed with the partner's wife. Are you afraid of me? Oh, no, you're missing the point. Look, maybe we could do something else together. Mrs. Robinson, would you like to go to a movie? Can I ask you a personal question? Ask me anything you want. Is this your first time? Is this what? It is, isn't it? It is your first time. That's a laugh, Mrs. Robinson. That's really a laugh. <laughs> well, you can admit that, can't you? Are you kidding? It's nothing to be ashamed of. Wait a minute. On your first time? Who said it was my first time? Wait a minute. Inadequate? I mean, just because you happen to be inadequate in one way. Inadequate? Don't move. So they go up to this room. They have their first kiss, which is also comedic because she had just inhaled on a cigarette and he just awkwardly. Yes, it is very awkward. And they kiss with their mouth closed and she's just to wait to exhale the smoke. Right. <laughs> and he says something like, you're the most attractive of all my parents' friends, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Yeah, I am into that as a compliment. <laughs> and she questions him as if it's, you know, it's his first time. He very convincingly. <laughs> yeah. What you usually do in this situation right. would just get mad <laughs> and flip out. It leads pretty seamlessly into this montage where it starts up with Hello Darkness of Sound of Silence. And it's jumping yes. from these lazy days of summer, drifting aimlessly. He's failing to select a grad school, annoying his parents. But it's like He's the scenes to are select anything. The scenes are connecting yeah. with him seeing his older lover at night because this develops into a full-blown affair pretty But again, quickly. this is, and you know, when I made the comment earlier about just this rich kid, I mean, this is what I'm thinking watching this. He's paying for this hotel room constantly. He's doing nothing. 
He has this right. nice car. I mean, talk about just like dream life that he's living. Yeah. How long is this sustainable for? Just crushing that older lady's puss. That's right. Yeah, this is a really cool montage, and it's shot really cool. And it's like, he, you know, he'll be on a raft, and then he'll, like, slide up, and then he'll just be on top of her in a bed at a hotel. And I love the ending of it when it cuts to that next song. And he's sitting in bed and watching a TV, but we're the camera's positioned, like, from behind the TV, so we're seeing him in bed. And she's walking in and out, like, right. getting dressed. Just the way they do it is really cool. And so finally, it leads to this night in a hotel room, and it's like this realization that they have nothing to talk about. Yes. And Benjamin wants to talk. a really long scene. Mm. Love the way this plays out. Yeah. This is the one that, like, sprawls, right? And they're, like, getting dressed. Getting dressed, getting getting undressed. undressed. Yeah, Yeah, it's a whole thing. So this is where we get Mrs. Robinson's backstory. We find out about the separate bedrooms with her husband. She entered into this loveless marriage. It was a shotgun wedding because she got knocked up in a car. Yeah. So Elaine was conceived in a car. And so... <laughs> so there you go, Elaine. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Elaine. <laughs> You're nothing. You ruined your mother's life. That's right. So much sadness and regret. And it's kind of depressing because... It is. It's sad. She used to have all these interests of her own and ambitions and different things and of course that's evaporated into this life that she's living she's well off but not satisfied yeah i feel like i was feeling like mrs robinson by the time i was like 19 (laughs) it just filled with like regret and sadness you know yeah i get it it took me a little longer but yeah i got there okay so you have this genuine fight that builds over mrs robinson's protectiveness right and defensiveness about elaine because Everyone's been telling Benjamin that he needs to take out Elaine, and he's been dodging this successfully because he's fucking her mother. Yeah, which would create for a weird. And he brings dinner. this up, and he jo- he makes a joke. It all starts with a joke okay. of like, yeah. "Well, I guess I'll have to take out Elaine and ask her, but or so, about whatever." Yeah. I don't even remember what it was about. But and you know, it's a joke. But I think he's maybe kind of holding it over her head a little bit. Yeah, he's a like, little bit. "Hey, I'll just you know ask your daughter. I How about, think that? about that?" And yeah. this leads into a genuine fight. Because she's, she's like you. Basically, like the he takes the idea that she thinks that he's not good enough for Elaine, and I'm yeah. not a hundred percent sure that's what she's thinking. Right. You're well, never I, fully clear, but yeah. I kind of get the impression that she's. I mean, a. Well, I think she's. It's like, not about like not being good enough. It's like, well, what scenario is there going to be where I've fucked a guy that's dating? Yeah, my daughter? you want me that's to like too bizarre? Shed some tears at my daughter's wedding day when she's marrying a dude I carried on an affair with. Yeah, yeah. Man. I mean, he's being kind of unrealistic. Get it about together. This. Yeah, but I get it though. I get his gut reaction. Okay. to be angry I'm about this. Like, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> you use me for my dirty dick, but that's I'm right. not good enough for your yeah. perfect daughter. But they have this relatively quick makeup, like you said, and it it's just like. At first, he's getting dressed, and he's going to leave without doing it. And well, he's again, like, you're just this disgusting old bitch. And this, she's just like, oh, fine, that's what you think of me. And then they're getting dressed, and then oh, it leads to them getting undressed again. And Yeah, and it's like, to me, this whole scene and the way it plays out is the clearest depiction of just like how emotionless their sexual relationship is. Yeah. You know? Because all this leads just back to like, okay, let's do the deed again. Right, and it's kind of an indication of what their relationship would be like if it was anything beyond it, because as soon as they try talking, it leads down some bad paths, which I guess is saying, 
look at this. They're from two different worlds yeah. because of the age difference and they care about different things and he's interested in talking about all this different shit, but she's she doesn't want to talk about it because she's fucking him That's right. to get away from that yeah. shit that he wants to talk about. And she like, doesn't find- I don't want to talk about my husband or <laughs> For sure. what I used to do in my life or anything about my daughter. It's not like she has much going on in life. Right. Neither does so she. So she doesn't want to talk about it. But he's he's got a future at least. She's got, I don't know. So it ends with him promising to never take Elaine out, but cut to the next scene. <laughs> so inevitably we know where this is headed. Benjamin's dad, they're like, <laughs> bizarrely, like the three Braddock family members are just like twirling around in a circle together in yeah, the yeah. pool. It's very bizarre. This Braddock household is yeah. kind of strange. I kind of they're like on... a little bit too involved in his life That's for true. him to be twenty one. It's like there's Jesus definitely a Christ. weird scene with mom in the bathroom or whatever. Oh, and she's like, like asking about what about... he's doing. Yeah, and she's like physically upset upset about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Like her body is like shaking. <laughs> she's so mad. You know. <laughs> so Benjamin's dad is like, "Hey, why don't you take Elaine out? She's coming back home again." And I just feel like it's really strange that everyone acts like she's some sort of charity case. She's a smoking hot chick. I feel like she is getting dates. And I'm when thinking, we go to Berkeley, yeah. we find out she has been getting dates. Oh, yeah. What, what is this insisting quite well. that he has to take her out? Yeah. I can't even imagine something like this happening in like more modern times where people were like really hammering home. And it's, is, it is the implication that she doesn't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> The way this is, I love how this is cut together. They're at the pool, you know, talking about this or whatever. And this is all on the heels of like the the promise to not date the daughter. And then it's like the next thing you know, he's showing up at the house to take a well, out. his mom says that she's going to invite the whole Robinson family right. over unless he does this. It's like, fuck you, mom. I know. Like, yeah. stay out of this. Seriously. Because, yeah, you pointed out the, the shaving scene where she freaks out about yep. trying to find out what he does at night. And then this scene. But if you take that away, she's really not that much of a factor compared to the dad who's, like, super annoying right. and horrible. So it's like, Mom, come on. <laughs> you were doing so well. By Why the way, are you doing like, this now? Let's say the Mrs. Robinson affair is not happening at all. Everyone wants this to happen. Is this going to be great for everyone when this date goes horribly and then we have this, like, awkwardness yeah, between our two families? Is that is everyone going to like that? I mean, jeez. Yeah. I know how to self-sabotage real fast. It's like, Is that what we all the want? fuck off, yeah. <laughs> so Benji caves, and he goes on this date with By the Elaine. way, he does know how to self-sabotage, as we see. Yeah. yeah this would have been like a date with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is like taxi driver-esque. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He shows up at the Robinson house to pick up Elaine. We see Catherine Ross now for the first time. And yep. I love when he enters in that fucking death stare from mrs robinson oh just yeah ice cold she nails brutal this, right when just mr robinson leaves the room he's like him. hey i didn't want to do this this was my idea he's like trying to whisper all this shit that's right and she's just not having it so he takes elaine out and it's he attempts to sabotage the date i mean he's driving recklessly he's giving these one word answers he's rushing ahead of her when they're out of the car just like I mean, not even waiting for her behavior He's ignoring her, and ultimately, they end up at this, essentially, what is like a strip club. Yeah, I would say. I don't know. I mean, no, like an old-fashioned one. Okay, yeah. I mean, she's got like, the chick tassels. has like tassels on yeah. her nipples and all that shit. But like, yeah, it's basically a strip club. I mean, Elaine is just like, why are you doing yeah, this? Yeah, and Elaine is humiliated to the point of tears. Oh, yeah. And 
she runs out of the club. To me, there's no going back from this. Yeah, I mean, it's insane what I, happens I, I can't This is actually this. maybe the most unbelievable part okay, of the movie. Okay, thank you, yes. So Benjamin immediately regrets it after this, and he's apologizing. He's chasing her down on the street. He's telling her, like, oh, you know, it wasn't my idea to ask you. <laughs> like, it's somehow, that's even making it worse. Yes. It's, like, even more humiliating. Like, you're some charity case. And he's just like, I was just doing blah, blah, blah. You know, this isn't me. I hate this, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. And he somehow just fixes it by kissing her, which is something you could not Again. write into a movie no, now. No, 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 no. I'm not no. even talking about because of a controversy, which there probably would be, but well, I'm talking about yes. just no one is buying this. This is so right. insane. This is a product of another era. Again, it's, a, it's just that idea that she's she likes him so much. She's, she wants this date to work that much. You know what I mean? Like, it's so what is this based on? Yeah, I don't even know if it's that. I just think it's just like this idea that He's a good guy from a good family, and she should like all reasonable suitors. It's just like a different perception of how yeah, like, things work. Yeah, it makes worked. no sense to me that this universe yeah, exists. This moment, if they could have somehow fixed this without the kiss being the thing, yeah. and he somehow sa- saves this a different way, Cause to me, I would like this so much more because this is the weakest moment for I'm me. not even buying the whole, like, this isn't me. Like, I know it's true, and he was being a dick on purpose, but to me, he's taking it to a point of unrecoverable. At least for yeah. tonight, maybe we can talk <laughs> down the line, but I'm thinking tonight. Well, she's trapped. No she, needs him. <laughs> oh, no. she needs him for a ride yeah. back. They're in some sketchy part of town, and he just somehow convinces her that this was all some stupid thing, that it wasn't real. I don't know. And she, I guess, buys it because eventually. They stay out, and there's this sudden, very real connection, unlike the one that he has with her mother. That's right. Yeah. And they're talking and talking, and there's even that scene at the... Ben's feeling something. He's the drive-in excited. restaurant, in yep. where they put the windows up, and you can't even hear what they're saying. They're talking so much, which is an interesting way to do that scene. Yeah. And so he takes her back to her house, and then, like, spur of the moment, they're like, you know what? It's not that late. Why don't we go on a late-night drive and weird move by ben here get a drink yeah for some reason she's had this big change of heart and i mean she's just like all right yeah this is great (laughs) this date is going so well that i don't even want to go home let's go have a late night drink and she suggests the taft which causes him to drive up on the curb yeah which i mean it's supposed to be funny i mean it's not like super serious but whatever yeah i would be like no no i don't know what i would say but i'd be like we can't go there right for whatever reason but they do and when he goes in all of the people that work at the hotel literally everyone are like oh how are you doing tonight sir mr gladstone she doesn't really know how to react to this she's just like what's happening he's like i don't know i don't know i guess they think i'm this guy gladstone he's like trying to shrug it off a dangerous universe to live in regardless of the elaine factor the fact that you're taking mrs robinson to this one hotel that often that everyone knows who you are yeah under your fake right. name especially just, in a place right. like los angeles where there's literally thousands of places That's, he could take her well again that points back to why take a lane here i know so they run out of the restaurant or out of the hotel because it's too much for him to take and so they're back in his car and she's able to piece this together like are you having an affair yeah at this place and of course she doesn't know the reality of this but he tells her that he was and that it's over now 
And she just kind of rolls with that. She's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> She's basically like, well, maybe you're not as big of a loser as I thought yeah. you were. <laughs> she does. I know. That is like, it's it's an interesting thing to kind of put out there right away. Because to me, it still seems like, I know they're having a good time now, but to me, this is still fragile ground. Is she really going to react? Like, I guess Yeah, I know. After what happened earlier in the night, it's, like it's y- too much. You were having an affair with a married woman? Do they say it's married that first night, or is no. that not till the next day? I can't even really. Piece I don't know, all that. but like when you hear affair, yeah. I mean, well, I do think there was a distinction, but it may have been that night as well, where they're like well, with a married woman, and he's like, "Yeah," but that, I can't remember if that was the next day. I don't know. Anyway, she just rolls with this. I guess she's yeah. that into this all of a sudden. Yeah, Ben is that cool. So <laughs> they make this plan to go out the next day, and so they're gonna go on this day date, just like a drive. Happens to be like a torrential downpour. He shows up at the house, and Mrs. Robinson unexpectedly jumps into Benjamin's car. Yeah, and tells him to drive, and they like drive down the block. And she threatens to tell Elaine everything about them. Yeah, if he won't stay away from her, she's basically We're one saying into this relationship. By the way, I will burn yeah everything down to That's keep right. you away from Absolutely. her. Absolutely, which is kind of crazy. And I, I do love that quality, though. I enjoy someone who's willing to. It's a bit much, though. It is. Because it's like, you're going to ruin a lot of people's lives here, not just Benjamin's. Right. Like, you're going to ruin yours and your daughter's and your husband's. And really, kind of like, potentially my parents. <laughs> not the two of them, but like the relationship. I with think she just families. thinks that this will be enough, and she doesn't expect him to yes. react the way he does. So he just jumps out of the car. He's like, I'm going to call her bluff, though. And he sprints towards the house in the rain. To preemptively deliver the news first. This is a weird decision, I feel like. I agree, but I can buy it. Yeah. Because he's like such a weird, emotional guy that you're not, you can't really he predict reactive, what he's going to yeah. do. I guess he thinks I'm that into her that I'm going to, there's no other option oh, yeah. now. Oh, Ben. I have to tell her first yeah. or else there's no other option. It's either leave her alone. Which I'm not going to do. Or have her do it. Which we know that's not going to go well because no. it doesn't. Which that's a whole other <laughs> right. can of worms we'll get to. Yeah. <laughs> drive down the block. Mrs. Robinson, Elaine and I have a date. We're going for a drive. Do exactly as I say. Oh, it seems to be. Listen to me very carefully, Benjamin. You are not to see Elaine again, ever. Those are my orders. Is that clear? Mrs. Robinson, do you think... I can can... make things quite unpleasant. How? In order to keep Elaine away from you, I am prepared to tell her everything. I don't believe you. Then you better start believing me. I just don't believe you would do that. Try me. I'll meet you on the corner. What's the matter? Hurry, put your shoes on. <laughs> Benjamin! Benjamin! Elaine. What are you doing? Elaine, I have to tell you something. What is it? That woman. What? That woman, that older woman that I told you about. You mean that yes, one? Yes, the married woman. That wasn't just some woman. What are you telling me? Benjamin, will you just tell me what this is all about? 
Oh, no. Elaine. Oh, my God. Please. Get out of here. Don't cry. Get out! Get out! Goodbye, Benjamin. So he just runs in, and this leads to a spectacular shot in Catherine's room. So he runs up the stairs. She's, like, in her bra. She's like not even ready yet. Yeah. And so he's in the room now with her. He just walks, what's good, Catherine? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Catherine, Elaine. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I said Catherine's room, That's too. That's okay. We're, whatever. Same person. Yeah. So... The door's slightly ajar, and he's, like, trying to rush and tell her this. He's like, do you remember that older woman we were talking about? And he's like, well, she just wasn't any woman. And he looks over her shoulder, and his words are just kind of hanging there. And Mrs. Robinson now has come into frame. She's in the (laughs) hallway, and she's standing there. Oh, no. The puzzle being put together. Elaine's initial confusion. She looks at Slowly changing to horror. Well, she looks at Benjamin, who's now looking behind her. And so she turns around to see her mother standing there soaking wet. So now, like, she, there's a lot of puzzle oh, yeah. pieces being right. thrown out. It's yeah. like, what, what is happening here? And the pain on her face as she puts it all together and it registers. And it's like, well, needless to say, Benji is banished in that moment from the house. <laughs> yeah. Things no aren't longer great. welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and the way they do that shot of Mrs. Robinson standing in the corner of the hall, but they're zoomed in on her face, and then it zooms out, and you see how far away she is, actually. Oh, yes, yeah. It's kind of a really cool shot. Right. Showing, like, her isolation in this moment, just this horrible separation that's occurred because of what they've done. Yeah. So Elaine, pretty much a mess, returns to Berkeley. <laughs> Benjamin, School not even back in session yet, but... <laughs> yeah, she's like, I gotta get out yeah. of here. I don't know. I, I don't think at this point... Mr. Robinson has been informed yet? No. I don't know. I don't think so. Well, I think it hangs out there for a while before he kind of... Yeah. Benjamin, on the other hand, just declares to his parents that he's going to marry Elaine Robinson. Yeah, they're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, they're like screaming. And like yeah. their initial excitement turns to confusion when right. they find out that neither the Robinsons nor Elaine know about this idea. I kind of feel like, have you had a conversation like this with your parents no. about some... Well... <laughs> Maybe. But at least the girl was aware. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't just shouting this out about... Because this, this particular exchange between him and his mother is actually legitimately right. hilarious. Yeah. Where she's like, well, how do you even know that she wants to marry you? And he says, oh, she doesn't. To be perfectly honest, she doesn't even like me. And he just turns and leaves. That's right, yeah. <laughs> just a great delivery. Yeah. Say that again. I'm going to marry Elaine Robinson. Well, well, well. What's happening? Ben says that he and Elaine are getting married. Ah! I don't believe it. That's what he says, right? I'm going up to Berkeley today. Hey, come on. We've got to call the Robinsons. We've got something to celebrate. No, I think you'll want to wait on that. Oh, they don't know. No, they don't. Well, when did you decide all this? About an hour ago. Uh, uh, wait a minute. You talked to Elaine this morning? No, she doesn't know about it. Uh, you mean she doesn't know that you're coming up to Berkeley? No, actually, she doesn't know about us getting married yet. Well, when did you two talk this over? We haven't. You haven't? Ben, this whole idea sounds pretty half-baked. No, it's not. It's completely baked. It's a decision I've made. 
Well, what makes you think she wants to marry you? She doesn't. To be perfectly honest, she doesn't like me. And so the last half hour or so of the film becomes like this bizarre. This is crazy. A lot of miles story. being burned yeah. here over like driving back and forth throughout California. And this is like a manic episode of somebody. The oh, way yeah. he's acting at this point. Because okay, at first it's this bizarre stalker. There thing. is definitely a message in this movie that I think it should be like frowned upon, which is that like stalking works. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I would agree with that, although, in all fairness, it's not like they had any final It's true. conversation. She just kind of left. You're right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's, su- it's such can- extreme yeah. circumstances that I feel like all bets are off. It's I like, mean, how often are you ever going to be in this situation? You know, I-, I wouldn't say it's not clear that they're not dating anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they had a pretty good thing going That's for right. one night. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's even crazier. They, oh, they had one positive yes. date. Which was not positive the whole time. No, no. Only for like an <laughs> a hour. A lot of bads, really. <laughs> a lot of bads. <laughs> this stalker story then eventually becomes this manic cat and mouse chase. Yes. But before that, Benjamin shows up in Berkeley. He hangs around campus. He's watching her from a distance. Right. He goes and he rents this nearby room. Just insane behavior. I don't get. They only had one successful building date with this guy who rents all these rooms to these dudes. That was like probably something. Something more, that happened, like a boarding house, more okay. common yeah. in those days. Let's be real here. Okay, yeah, so he had, they had this Let's. one date, and it started out terribly and made him look like a total asshole. But also, he was balls deep in her mom all summer. Yeah, I mean, that ways to tough. a woman's heart includes usually the path knowing the intimate details of her mother's asshole. Yeah. Having your face in her mother's pussy. Okay. Having your cock in her mother's mouth. <laughs> what else? These I, are the ways that you can usually convince a woman that it's going to work out between yeah. you. Those are all the ways that I know. <laughs> I thought we were going to have fun with that okay. bit. Okay, yeah. I Just mean, a classic riffmeister over here. Yeah. Really shutting down my bits. <laughs> <laughs> You just listed all the only options. If those that are the I'm only things that happen in sex. <laughs> you're like, I don't know anything else. Yeah, actually, that was two more than I knew. <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> I mean, there's a certain absurdity to this yeah. conviction that he has because of what I just said. I mean, we were making a joke about the things that you do when you have sex, but let's face it, when you have right. sex with someone for that long over the course of a summer, it's like things they were happen. getting into things. I think so, yeah. And that's normal. Sure. So, like, the idea then that you can go from that, knowing all of the most intimate details of this girl's mother, yeah. to then being with that girl, and everything's just going to work out and be okay somehow, there are certain things that you cannot to... come back from. Yeah, it's And hard... knowing that, it's not like they kissed accidentally. No. Like, a drunken kiss with her mother once, which would be crazy enough. True. But this is, like, months of sex. It's hard for months. Elaine, I think, to reconcile that, yeah. <laughs> I don't think she can make sense of it. He gets on this bus that she's on. And she sees him, and she's trying to like act like she doesn't. Oh, yeah. It's, like, By the way, the lady sitting next to Elaine, not interested. <laughs> Hilarious. And then, yeah. He's basically following her to this date that she's going to go on. And I love this moment in the film, though, because you see a lot of movies in your days. and Oh, certainly. Certain things are more predictable than other. I mean, at this moment, the first time you see this movie, it's yeah. like, where is this movie going? Right. <laughs> if you, if you haven't read the novel, you're like, crazy twists and I don't know how this is going to play out. minutes of this movie. I think the first time I saw this movie back in college, I was like, 
does he end up with Mrs. Robinson because of the song? Like, I just assumed yeah. that there was going to somehow be this weird turn at the end. I, I really did have no idea where this could possibly go from here. By the way, I love this whole zoo sequence. Yeah. The name of the dude that she's... Carl. Seen, Carl. Carl Smith. Carl Smith, dynamite move in this scene for Where he me. just grabs her around the shoulder to, and <laughs> tries to shake his hand. Well, yeah. no, I love... I, no, here's what it is. where... First, Ben's talking to her at the zoo, and she's like, yeah, I'm going to meet Carl. I'm supposed to meet him by the monkey cage or whatever. I first love when they do run into Carl, and Ben's just like, we thought you were going to be by the monkey cage, yeah. <laughs> which I, I like that. But then she's just like, hey, this is Ben Braddock. He rode the bus here with me, and Carl just puts his arm around her, and it's like, nice to meet you, Ben, and then they just walk away. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> but... No matter who she's going on a date with, she ends up showing up at his rent. That's right. Room. In a surprise turn. Yeah, really surprising. Letting because us how the know. fuck did she find it? I mean, oh, he did I say the street, yeah. but like, he didn't say what house. He didn't say what room. Yeah, whatever. I, I, that is weird. And also, you're really like, wow, Elaine, you are stuck on Ben this much that. Well, you get- at first she's angrily confronting him, and sure. she wants him to leave. But then she drops a bombshell on the oh, entire yeah. thing, where she goes. How could you possibly rape my mother? And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. What backup? Yeah, <laughs> Wait, yeah. what? Which is Ben's reaction, but also it's like a viewer, you're like, whoa. Now, it should be pointed out that unfortunately, because of this movie being like 50 years old, things were treated much more cavalierly, let's say. And I don't think there's the appropriate gravity. To this situation yeah. that should be there. We're talking about a horrible, violent act. And they're kind of just throwing it out like it's no big deal. I don't necessarily bristle at the idea of a woman in 1967 lying about that. I know that some people would have a problem about a woman lying about rape. Whatever. I, I, that's fine. People can have a problem with it. That's not necessarily my issue. It's more yeah. how cavalier they throw this out. The fact that she believes this to be true and yet shows up alone in his room. That is strange and also it, it just, isn't like... Which leads you to believe maybe like, she doesn't believe this to be I, true. Well, I, yeah. The fact that she's not like pushing for an arrest. Just very strange. Yeah. Elaine tells the story of how he waited at a hotel, tells her that she's too drunk, and then takes her to a room and rapes her. But Benjamin drops the truth bomb on Elaine, which causes her to scream because she doesn't want to hear it. I think this is another point that she knew that this was kind of bullshit because Ben only gets like two words into explaining She's like, I don't want to hear it. It's my mother. Right. And she's like screaming, (laughs) which causes everyone in the boarding house like run up, including a very young Dickie Dreyfus. Oh, wow. How about that? Saying he's going to get the cops. Yes. I'll get the cops. You want me to get the cops? Right. So another uh, Jaws tie-in. Seems like maybe Elaine knows a thing or two about Mommy Dearest because it does feel like she's believing Benji pretty quick. I think so. Without a lot of convincing. Yeah. She's kind of like, yeah, I know. Yeah. And she's Because why else why in the world would she show up to a room alone at night if she believes that he's like this monster exactly. that raped her mother? Yeah. But it it's kind of a weird thing. They they certainly she knew the would story not didn't add up. They would not have this as a plot point in like a twenty nineteen remake. I'm gonna say sure. no. Yeah. She doesn't want him to leave town. She's like, "All right, I want you to stay. Don't leave." But then this message so changes. So then she a few she times, leaves, yeah. and then 
she comes back in the middle of the night when he's asleep. Right. And she says, will you kiss me? And I just have to say, like, in the words of Bronn from Game of Thrones, this fucking family. I would be like, <laughs> yeah. I can't deal with this I family I know, that anymore. is true. Like, what yeah. the fuck? Right. She's screaming, saying that he raped her mother. Then she comes back in the middle of the night and is uh, like, will you kiss yeah, me? Definitely a slew of erratic behavior. Uh, from both of them. Yes. Which I think is also kind of the point, that okay. they're young yep. and reckless right. and they're dissatisfied with their parents for various reasons and it leads them to be this... You know, in their minds, they think they're Romeo and Juliet, which is what gets them to where they get. Yeah. But in reality, they're these kids that have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> they're just two dumbasses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. So he's throwing out marriage proposals. She's like, I might. <laughs> so he's made inroads with yep. Elaine. Right. He pesters her all day at school. He's following her around to like classes and shit. She's in fucking gym class. Like, what the I fuck is going on? All. I was like, like is, what she is she in high school? The... Yeah. I mean, is there a basketball team she's on? I, I wasn't getting this at all. I don't know. It, I mean, I was slightly like aroused by the idea that oh, she sure, was taking yeah. a gym class in college. But yeah, I mean, it was it was confusing. I took like a a volleyball thing and a soccer thing. I think they were like one credit each in yeah. college. Okay. I took walking. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I took sleeping. I was an overachiever. Yeah. She reveals that this Carl guy is like another serious suitor. And Benjamin, though, he feels like the tide is turning in his favor. So he's like undeterred and he's like wanting to get married tomorrow. And she's kind of like, all right, all right. It's feeling like a strong maybe at this point. So he's like <laughs> getting, so, he's yeah. gaining confidence. Right. He's like, all right. I got her going my way now. Yeah. So he starts running around town buying a ring. I've been getting this idea in there for like long enough that it's starting to resonate. <laughs> yeah, he's like George Costanza. Yeah. <laughs> he's in her head now. Right, yeah. So he's buying a ring. He's buying flowers and all this other shit, only to return to his room to find none other than Mr. Robinson there waiting for him in the dark, which is pretty creepy. Sure, yeah. And again, how are people finding him? It's true. I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy. Now, he does reveal that he talked to Elaine first, so maybe she sold him out, but still. It's like, Elaine, you bitch. <laughs> yeah. They have this big confrontation, and yeah, how, divorce um, plans are revealed. Yeah, this is really a uh, dark existence for Mr. Robinson at this point. Yeah. You're meeting a man who, to you at this point, really has to just be the devil himself. Who <laughs> supposedly has... Raped your wife. Yeah. But somehow you're getting a divorce because of this. So now, maybe. Does he think the rape piece of it is true? I guess not. I, he can't. It, he Because he, he doesn't say that, I guess. Yeah. But he threatens to put Benjamin behind bars if he ever sees Elaine again. So I was like, well, for what? Okay. That's what it. is the crime yeah. then? I was thinking that too. I was like, what's he going to arrest him for? But yeah, he doesn't mention or it. And he says he's going to get divorced, which is also pretty dark because yeah. he's like, well, is he saying that he's divorcing his wife who was raped? Because that's pretty bleak. I guess there's no good saying. way to turn this one. But basically the upshot is that Mr. Robinson has forced Elaine to drop out of school and marry this other guy, Carl, the one from <laughs> Again, the zoo. not a very pro-feminism moment here. No. Forcing Women his did not have a choice. to drop out of school. Well, he was maybe paying. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, I'm convinced. Benjamin rushes over to her dorm, but he, she's gone already. She's left a note for him. So now it becomes this big search for Elaine, and it's like kind of counting against the clock because he feels like, okay, she's going to get married. So he and returns. this is where we get the, the kind of the start of, oh, I guess it already started, the Mrs. Robinson 
Because I think it starts before the scene with Mr. Robinson, where the music is playing their sequences, and then there'll be like a scene in between. And right. Then, yeah. I mean, it goes on for like twenty minutes. Yeah, this feels like almost like the end of Goodfellas. It's all instrumental, <laughs> but then eventually, like as he's driving back and forth, at some point, like the lyrics. Or the vocals kick I think in. The, I think the actual like lyrics don't start till later. But yeah. at this point, we're getting like the doot doo 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 right. doo 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 doo. But when doo. it does, I was just pointing out that like when it does get to lyrics, it's like a really cool shot because he's like driving through the tunnel, and I think it's like leading to like the Bay Bridge or something. I think that's when he's going to the wedding. Yeah, I think he returns to Pasadena and he breaks into the Robinson home and he finds only Mrs. Robinson. And she tells him that he'll never find Elaine and he won't be able to stop the wedding, which might be the first time that a character has said that there's a wedding. I don't remember if Mr. Robinson actually said that. It's kind of I don't know. unclear. I feel like when she says it, it's almost like a bombshell. So, by the but, way, at this point, he's driving back and forth between what? San Francisco and Los Angeles, basically. I guess. Yeah. And where's the wedding? <laughs> the The wedding is in Santa Barbara. Okay. So. A lot of driving. Yeah. I mean, whatever. It's a okay, lot of Okay, that's fine. Yeah. What are you going to do? So she also calls the police saying that the house has a burglar, so the cops are showing up. He's got to, like, run out of there. The idea is, like, how is he going to find Elaine? I mean, he has no idea where she is. Right. I mean, he has no idea when the wedding is. So kind of a ingenious plan. He drives back to Berkeley, and he finds Carl's frat, and he talks to the frat brothers, and they reveal that the wedding location is Santa Barbara. He manages to track down the church by calling Carl's father's office. This is insane dedication. And pretends to be Carl's uncle who's going to, like, officiate the wedding. And the <laughs> secretary just, like, tells him, like, oh, it's probably this church or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So he drives to this church, and he arrives basically just as the vows are exchanged and Elaine like, is like officially married. They're doing like the you may now kiss the bride. Right. And part. he does like that pounding on the glass thing with his hands like up. People often try to like draw some sort of like Christ symbolism because he's got his like arms up like that. But basically wow. when they were filming at the church, the pastor at the church was just like stop banging on the window like that, you're going to break it because he was like hammering on it. And so oh, then he wow. was like just doing it like that, you know, to like yeah. not break the window. Oh. <laughs> People are like, why is he doing it like that? But just was a real life thing that got in the way there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it gets taken to the next level here when he starts screaming Elaine. Yeah, he's screaming Elaine yeah. over and over and over. And the wedding party is just in like hysterics, like freaking yeah, out. Like, oh no, what a disaster. They're like, who is this? And Mrs. Robinson is just like, it's too late right. to her husband. Yes. And you're like, what's going to happen? Because like Elaine's not really saying anything, but she's like, kind of starting to walk off of like the you know whatever they call that at the front yeah. there and down the aisle back towards the back of the church and she's like looking up and you're like what's happening and then finally she calls out ben in ben! return <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> so he runs rushes what, downstairs like, what a scene at this wedding it's like oh my <laughs> god this is the kind of wedding that would be so great to be at <laughs> i'd be like losing my mind <laughs> all of a sudden like an all-out brawl ensues he pulls like a nice move here where he jumps over the rail. <laughs> like they like block off the bottom of the stairs and he just jumps over the rail. Yeah. And I mean, he's like punching people. People are trying to get at him. Grabs, he grabs like a, a giant a, cross and is like, get around. away. Get like back. it's an episode yeah. of True Blood That's or right. something. Yeah. Mrs. Robinson grabs Elaine and she says, Elaine, it's too late. And Elaine says, not for me. 
Oh, man. <laughs> Which is so great. Yeah. And then Mrs. Robinson just starts slapping her over and over. Oh, yeah. I'm like, what a wedding. What a family and what a wedding. Right. What and a they, day. They manage to escape, and he, like, uses the cross to, like, bar the door. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like bl- it is completely insane. And, and they they board a bus. They just hop onto this bus. Yeah, and she's literally a runaway bride. She, she's dressed like a bride. That's true. And he's wearing like regular clothes. Yeah. Now, granted, he kind of is always dressed like he's ready to get married. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but he's not that dressed yeah, up yeah. in the scene. This is kind of like the iconic shot. It's a, a famous shot, and it it, it just. It does look really cool, and you're supposed to, like, I don't know, take out of it, like, what the hell are they thinking right now? Like, it, yeah, you kind of get these feelings of reality setting in on them a little bit, right. but then he's, like, still smiling, you know? Yeah, they take turns smiling and then not smiling, and there's different interpretations as to what yeah. this means. Some people assume that it means they're almost, like, regretting it. Have you ever seen that movie Like Crazy with Anton Yelchin and... I don't think that I uh, have. The girl from Rogue One and Jennifer Lawrence is in it. I don't think that I have seen that. Basically, now. like the two, Anthony Yelchin and the girl from Rogue One are like a couple, but okay. then they have to break up and they are from different countries and then they eventually do all this shit and eventually, after all this stuff, they finally get back together at the end of the movie and then like you can tell like they're both miserable. Oh, and man. And it's not like a comedy, yeah. which is weird. It's a weird ending for like what's supposed to be like a romantic movie and then they're kind of just like depressed about everything or whatever and some people interpret the ending of this movie like that like they're almost like regretting it i'm not entirely sure that that's what it is it's more like well she's officially married yeah she's still in college but now she's not i always kind of well not always i i take it as like sort of partial regret where it's like well it's more just like there's so much uncertainty right because she's actually married yeah and he has no prospects nothing going on no job by the way i mean it's not like this mom thing is going away yeah and she knows that he had sex with her mother yeah and it's just like are his parents ever going to be okay with this relationship i mean let's face it what's going to end up happening is they're not going to stay together but she's probably going to cut some sort of a deal with her parents that they're going to either get it she's going to get a divorce from carl or annulled yeah like that's not happening and they'll probably re-enroll her in school if she just stays broken up with him yeah that's probably where this that's is where we're heading but it's fun to end it like this with the uncertainty of what's happening and it's like well maybe they are really in love and maybe they will do whatever it takes to stay together and there's just this reality of the situation setting in but they're gonna have to fight through it or they don't even last the bus ride <laughs> <laughs> the most likely of scenarios it's like elaine and putty on the plane just right. breaking up and getting back together before the bus rides over it's just back and forth <laughs> oh, the whole yeah. time but yeah it's it's a fun ending it's a great movie i mean there's no other way to put it all right yeah i don't really appreciate the critical reevaluation of the movie trying to like frame it differently i mean yeah. it's definitely this moment in time and for a lot of young men in that time period it was their first sexual awakening especially with like an older woman it was a lot of people's first fantasy really framed yeah the sexual awakening of a generation (laughs) so there you go how about that for me it's not a particularly sexy movie no i kind of wish we spent a little bit more time with elaine yeah i think (laughs) Catherine ross looks incredible in the movie it's kind of hilarious that she's positioned early in the film as like this sad sack that needs like people to tell well i mean guys yeah. to ask her out on dates it's how like, many movies 
I know. The good thing is that she's doing fine. That she actually is going out on dates in right. Berkeley. Yes. And her parents and Ben's parents are just idiots. So but, there you go. You know. <laughs> Which is also part of the premise. Mr. Feeney's still with us. Wow, that is shocking. He even showed up on Girl Meets World a few times. I think he's well into his eighties. Good for him. Still younger than Sam Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you for listening. Follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And keep checking that feed. And the episodes will come when they come. So, Oh, wow. How about that for a tease? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's going to be a, an ass summer. It is going to be an ass summer. An ass clown summer. That's right. And here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jesus loves you Heaven holds a place for those who pray
Oh, yeah, that's good. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Is it cute? Yeah, it's so cute. Send it to me. Mm -hmm. Me too. Yeah, okay. Sending now. Okay. Look what I just posted. Brunch with these two dum-dums. Oh my gosh, so good. Is this good? I said Sunday fun day with these idiots. <gasps> yeah, that's good, that's great. <laughs> so so cute. cute. Okay, okay, so cute. Look what I just posted. Eating crap with these sacks of shit. If they died tomorrow, no one would shed a tear. So cute. <laughs> what the hell? You called me a dum-dum and she called me an idiot, so. Yeah, when you post a pic of yourself where you look really cute, then you have to say something a little self-deprecating so it doesn't look like you're just bragging. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, this is good. Slapping down some pig shit with these fat fucks, and I'm the fattest of them all. If I died tomorrow, no one would shed a tear. Load my freaking lard carcass into the mud. No coffin, please. Just wet, wet mud. Bay. <laughs> Jesus, Brenda, you called me a dum-dum. Right, it's like a term of endearment. Okay. All right. I got ya. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Gulping down some pig dicks with these bags of meat. Sunday fun day with these pig dicks. Hope nobody gulps us. So, are we the pig dicks or the bags of meat? Okay, let me try another one. Slurping down fish piss with these wet chodes. Total tuna cans. Put a bullet in their fucking brains and leave their wet bodies on the side of the road. Boo caught me sleeping. You're not sleeping. Okay, let me try another one. Okay. Sitting here with two bona fide pieces of hog shit. Basically like the same thing. They're mad because I won best hog at the hog shit snarfing contest. But I'm not mad because we're all loads of beef sitting on the side of a highway getting our butts sucked by flies. I tagged you both in that. Why? Why are you guys bullying me? Mm -hmm.